thank you so much. It does feel like we're in the throne room. I'm so glad to be surrounded by people who are unashamed to lend your voice and add your voice to the angels and the elders and the saints who have gone on before. I told the Lord while we were singing, if this thing takes off, he's the only one we need to see or hear. I'm good with that. So thank you for worshiping him and making him the focus of your life and, of course, this chapel service. It's an honor to get to be here. I love Urshan College and Urshan Graduate School. I met and married the lovely Andrea at Gateway, which was pre-Urshan, and I'm so glad Andrea's here today. I got to show her a little bit of the campus. I'll show her some more of the campus after chapel, but it's an honor to get to be here with her and with you, and thank you. I give honor to Brother McClintock for this invite. Brother Cameron, for your kindness to me. I was showing her around the campus, and chapel had already begun, and Brother McClintock called me. He's like, are you here? I said, yes, yes, I'm sure. I should have let Brother Cameron know. He's probably thinking, I got something from freshman chapel I could bring out just in case I need to. I know how that works. I've been there. Yes, yes. So thank you. I want to read to you out of the book of 2 Kings, if you would, if you return to, or maybe you've memorized 2 Kings, and you stay right where you're standing. That's good with me. Bible quizzers in the house. Read to interruption. I am working on my master's degree here at UGST, and so hopefully, thank you, I appreciate that. If you'll also pray for that, that would be even more awesome. I will be in the library a lot, so if you see me, please don't be shy. Come up and say hello. I would love to meet you, love to hear where you're from, your story. So I will be there, and it'll be a great distraction from working on some thesis work through Revelation. So you're welcome to pull up a chair, bring some coffee for you, hot chocolate for me, and we'll have a great conversation. So feel free to stop by and say hello. And Sister Analia, it was good to get to hear you minister today. Thank you. Thank you for ministering today. 2 Kings chapter 16, verse 10. do love that sound. That's a sacred sound. But you know there's one in the crowd going like this just to see how long the preacher's going to wait. 2 Kings 16 verse 10. Now King Ahaz went to Damascus to meet Tiglath Pileser, king of Assyria. He saw an altar that was at Damascus and King Ahaz sent to Uriah the priest the design of the altar and its pattern according to all its workmanship. Then Uriah the priest built an altar according to all that King Ahaz had sent from Damascus. So Uriah the priest made it before King Ahaz came back from Damascus. And when the king came back from Damascus, the king saw the altar. And the king approached the altar and made offerings on it. So he burnt his burnt offering and grain offering and poured his drink offering and sprinkled the blood of his peace offerings all on that new altar. He also brought the bronze altar which was before the Lord from the front of the temple from between the new altar and the house of the Lord, and he just kind of stashed it on the north side of the new altar. Then King Ahaz commanded Uriah the priest, saying, On the great new altar, burn the morning burnt offering, the evening grain offering, the king's burnt sacrifice, his grain offering, the burnt offering of all the people, their grain offering, their drink offerings. And when you're at it, sprinkle all the blood of the burnt offering and the blood of the sacrifice. Do all that on the new altar and the bronze altar. That's going to be mine. So thus did Uriah the priest according to all King Ahaz commanded. Then King Ahaz cut off the panels of the carts and removed the lavers from them and took down the sea from the bronze oxen that were under it and put it on a pavement of stones. Also he removed the Sabbath pavilion which they had built in the temple 
And he removed the king's outer entrance from the house of the Lord, all on account of his new friend, the king of Assyria. I want to preach to you today about two altars. If you brought your Bible, thank you. If you have your Bible, you have your phone, you have your tablet. If you would, lift it up high, and let's ask the Lord to speak to us from his word. We want to hear what he has to say, not just what I have to say, but I pray what I have to say is what he has to say. Speak to us today, God. Let your word speak clearly. Let your word speak boldly. Speak conviction to us today. If we need it, let it happen. I pray in the name of Jesus, minister in this chapel service. I feel your spirit, your power, your presence so very real, so very powerful, so very wonderful. I pray minister in this place. Help me to share what I need to share and get out of the way. And I ask you to do what you want to do. Give us a love for this old altar. Give us a love for this beautiful, glorious gospel message. I ask you to have your way. In the precious name of Jesus, minister through your word and to your precious people. In Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated. King Ahaz packed his stuff and his staff and had traveled 225 miles to the city of Damascus. Now, that's a long drive. You're driving 70 miles an hour with air conditioning and YouTube. That's still a long drive. That's a trek when you're in a chariot without air conditioning and you don't even have travel checkers to have fun. But King Ahaz felt that was the very least he could do for his new friend, the king of Assyria, after all he had done for him. King Rezin, the king of Damascus, was picking on Ahaz, bullying him, pushing him around. And so King Ahaz called on the king of Assyria to help fight against the king of Syria. This is going to get confusing. I'm just going to forewarn you. He, allowed, he allied with the king of Assyria to fight off the king of Syria. And this alliance did not come cheap. King Ahaz marched into the house of God and stripped it of the gold and silver. And then he went into his ginormous own house and he stripped it of the gold and silver. He wrapped it all up and FedExed it to the king of Assyria. That was his price if he was going to wage King Ahaz's war. The king of Assyria gladly received his gold and silver and waged war against King Rezin of Syria and killed him. So King Ahaz saddled up and he rode to thank his new friend and ally. He met up with the king of Assyria in the capital city of Syria, Damascus. You have two wicked, bloodthirsty, type A kings meeting in the capital city of enemy territory. What could possibly go wrong? And that's when King Ahaz saw the altar. Maybe he was on one of those double-decker chariot tours through the capital city of Damascus just to see the sights. And he saw this altar. It was beautiful. Much more beautiful than that old brazen eyesore of an altar he had back in Jerusalem. And it was huge. He was captivated by it. He wanted one just like it. He had to have one just like it. So he sent a model of this altar back to the priest along with the dimensions and the design in full detail. But there was a problem. King Ahaz already had an altar back home. Now, when I was a kid, one of my, f- my least favorite answers from my mom and dad when we asked them for something was, we have that at home. Mom and Dad, can we have some ice cream? We have ice cream at home. Mom and Dad, can we have a cheeseburger? We have cheeseburgers at home. Mom and Dad, can we have a horse? I can't say we have a horse at home because we know we don't have a horse at home. Now that I'm a dad, I understand why they said that. They said that because just because you have a credit card doesn't mean you have money. And so anytime that you're not at home, it's going to cost something. And so I find myself now that I'm a dad saying to my teenage girls, hey, good news, we have that at home. But all of you can testify that a double scoop of chocolate chip cookie dough on a waffle cone tastes a lot better than an old single scoop French vanilla in a styrofoam bowl at home. 
And anybody say amen. amen. If Uriah the priest had been doing what God had called him to do, he would have told King Ahaz, all due respect, your majesty, I get that you love that altar, but good news, we have an altar at home. But he was not doing what God called him to do. He was living as the king's yes man, not God's man. And whatever the king wanted him to do, he would do it as long as he would keep getting paid on Friday, keep the salary coming. So Uriah got the blueprints. He gathered the materials and he went right to work building the altar King Ahaz had sent him from Damascus. And before his majesty strode back into Jerusalem, Uriah was all done with the new altar. He was pretty proud of himself. He had finished it in record time, going to show it off to his boss, probably get a promotion, maybe a pay raise, could even be a rush bonus because he finished it so quickly. And Uriah did not disappoint. It looked just like the altar Ahaz saw in Damascus. But now Ahaz has a problem. He has two altars and only room for one. One of the altars has to go. But which one? Would he keep the altar God designed and gave inspired blueprints to Moses on the top of Mount Sinai? The one that had stood to represent repentance to the nation of Israel for nearly 800 years. Moses sought God and found him at that altar. Joshua sought God and found him at that altar. Saul even sought God and found him at that altar. David sought God and found him there. Solomon sought God and found him at that altar. A few fugitives even ran from danger to the altar, grabbed a hold of its horns and found sanctuary and safety at that altar. That old altar had stood as the place where thousands of innocent animals had shed their blood to atone for the sins of millions of guilty Israelites. That altar had stood for 800 years to represent repentance to the nation of Israel. That altar worked. It was larger than all the other furnishings in the temple. You could fit all the other furniture inside that one brass altar. As a constant reminder that God is holy and we are not. And God values and he demands repentance from his people. Everybody who ever wanted to go into that holy of holies where God would meet with man had first to go through that brazen altar. They had to go to that altar because the depth of our relationship with God will only be as deep or as shallow as our repentance we will see the glory of God but only after we have stopped long enough at that brazen altar and repented for our wickedness. We will see His righteousness only after we have seen and repented for our wickedness because the depth of our relationship with God will be as deep and as shallow as our repentance. God valued repentance so much that He placed that old brazen altar right there in front of the temple. You could not miss it. God designed repentance to be premium in relationship with Him. The only way to get to the glory of God and the holy of holies was to come to God in humility and repentance. That was the way it was for them. That is the way it is for us. I hope you love good church. We've had good church here. I hope you love good church. I hope you have good church. I hope you continue to have it here in chapel. I hope you have it at the church where you are a part of here in St. Louis. I hope you have it at your home church when you go home for the holidays. I hope you have it at NAYC and at camp meeting and at youth camp. I hope you clap your hands and you dance on the fast songs and I hope you lift your hands and you weep on the slow songs. I hope you feel the presence of God and I hope you feel close to God when you're in church. And when you go home, I hope you feel a whole lot better than you were when you came. But hear me, the altar is more than just a place for us to feel good and feel God. The altar is a place for us to repent and get our hearts right with God. Thank God He has given us an altar. 
Thank God for an altar where we can repent and ask God to forgive us, and He will. And He can fill us, and He will. And we can live a life by His power that glorifies God. That old brazen eyesore of an altar didn't look very good to Ahaz, but it was beautiful to God because it represented His people's opportunity to repent and be in right relationship with Him. But the brand new altar, it was brand new. It still had that look of freshly hewn stone. It still had that smell of freshly sawn wood. Ahaz didn't know anything about it because altars don't come with a Carfax. But we do know it was in the city of Damascus, the capital city of Syria, which was an idolatrous nation. Syrians served much more than one God, and they did not serve the one true God, Yahweh. So if Ahaz keeps the new altar, he's going to have to get rid of the old altar. And it will not be long before Ahaz no longer worships one God anymore. And certainly he no longer worships Yahweh because there's not room for two altars. There's really only room for one. But all of us will worship at one of two altars, either the one God designed or the one we designed. I want to stand with my heels on the the first verse of chapter 16 in 2 Kings and tell Ahaz, look him eye in the eye and say, Ahaz, listen to me, sir. All due respect, your majesty, you're a king and I'm not. But hear me, this is a no-brainer. And it's okay, I get it. You were on a business trip. You were still giddy from the war win and you were probably drunk, a horrible cocktail. You got starstruck by that new altar and you thought it looked better and was better than the one God designed, but it's not. So all you have to do is repent. Find that old altar and repent and ask God to forgive you. That's what that altar is for. Go back to the altar God designed because it's worked to bring people closer to God for hundreds of years and you can seek God and find God at that old altar. You can get your heart right with God at that old altar. All you have to do, Ahaz, is toss yours, keep his. It worked before and it will work again. I'm so glad for altars in my life. We call the front of the area here in the church, the chapel, we call it an altar the time we spend here praying, we call altar calls. I can't count the number of altar calls I've had in my life. I've had more altar calls in my life than I've had cheesecake, and I've had a lot of cheesecake. I'm just that blessed. But I could take you to St. Louisville, Ohio. It's just a very small ville in Ohio. If you blink once, you're, tw- you're through it twice. And I can take you to that old country church where in 1992 I knelt at an old altar, and God filled me with the gift of His Holy Spirit at 12 years old for the very first time. I can take you to the tabernacle on the Ohio campgrounds where Pastor Ken Gurley preached the dream peddler. And at that old altar, I called out to God and God called out to me and called me a scrawny electrician son with soprano voice and a lateral lisp. He called me into the ministry. I can take you to the basement on Chestnut Street in Mount Vernon, Ohio, where we built an altar during a regularly scheduled Sunday school service. I don't remember Brother Price or Brother Ryan were teaching on that Sunday morning, but I remember the presence of God swept into that Sunday school classroom, and we turned around and knelt on our cold metal folding chairs. By the time our knees hit the carpet, we were in communion with God, and God sparked a revival in our youth group that spread to our entire church because a group of high schoolers understood if the altar worked before, it will work again. We don't need a new altar. Thank God we have the one he gave us. Thank God for the old-fashioned altar. Thank God for a place to get alone with him and hear his voice. I'm thankful for your creative generation. 
I am thankful for the creativity your generation has brought to the church to glorify God. All of the graphics and the videos and the signs and the stage design and the media and the multi-tracks and all that you have brought to us. But I want you to listen to me, Pastor, to be. Those are great, but those aren't altars. God's design has not changed in 2,000 years. It's still the old-fashioned preaching of the old rugged cross that will bring us from our chair to our knees at an old-fashioned altar where we can once again repent and get right with God. Thank God for the altar. We need an altar everywhere we are. We need an altar in here in the chapel. We need an altar in the classrooms when the presence of God sweeps through during a class and all of a sudden we're not just studying, but we're in the presence of Almighty God as we open up His Word. And he speaks to us. We need an altar in the youth room, in the hyphen room, in the kids' chapel. Every family needs an altar at home. You need an altar in your dorm room. You need an altar at work everywhere we go. We've got to build altars because that's where we get in relationship with God. And we don't build with brick or stone like Ahaz did. We build with prayer and repentance and brokenness and meekness and humility. And our prayer goes up to heaven, to God. And God is the only one who can hear and help. But he listens Whenever we kneel at the altar. Ahaz decided this new altar was too good to waste though. It's new. Which automatically makes it better. Right? So he had Uriah the priest move that old brazen altar. Away from its prominent place in front of the temple. And he told him, ah, just. You know what? Stash it over there on the north side of the temple. Like it's something you're just going to put over there by the mud room so you can take it to Goodwill and get rid of it because we just don't have room for that anymore. He put the new altar away or the new altar in that prominent place where the old altar was. There's only room for one. Ahaz. God designed that altar. The God who carved out the oceans and sculpted the mountains, he designed that brazen altar. And he has just stashed it over to the north side of the altar. And he said, you know what? We won't get rid of it. I'll still come by every once in a while and visit it. But everybody else with all of their offerings will come and they'll offer everything on this new altar. And people look at the story and they say, well, what's the big deal? Isn't it enough just to have an altar? I mean, the new one is bigger, it's better, it's newer than the old one. And it doesn't have all the features the old one does, but it has a lot of the features the old one doesn't have. Here's the big deal. The old one has been around for 800 years and it's worked. But it's time to upgrade. What's the big deal? Big deal is God designed the old one. We designed the new one. The old one works. The new one doesn't. After King Ahaz moved that altar, everything went downhill. He chopped up another furnishing in the temple. He replaced it. Then he removed the king's entrance from his house to God's house. Scholars believe that was the only entrance to get from his house to God's house. And when he was tore it down, it was a public declaration that I, King Ahaz, the leader in Israel, the one you should follow, I'm not going to church anymore. Little wonder in 2 Chronicles 28, King Ahaz finally closed the doors to the temple so nobody could go to church anymore. And it all started when Ahaz thought, I think we can improve on this. Ahaz was one of Judah's most wicked kings, but after a short while, he was in trouble, and he needed help. He turned to his old buddy, the king of Assyria, again, but this time his old buddy turned his back on him and attacked him, and Ahaz finally realized the only help I can get has to come from God. 
And I'm reading the story and I'm saying, good Ahaz, finally, you got it. I've got good news. I know it's over there and you haven't seen it in a long time and haven't gone by to visit it for a while. But God is waiting at that old brazen altar. That old altar of repentance, if you'll just swing by that old altar and kneel there at that old altar, you will find God there and hear from God there. I look at Ahaz in this story and I say, I'm so glad you came to this. I'm sorry you had to come to this point, but I'm glad you came to this point. You need help from God. Just go to the old altar and he'll be waiting right there. But Ahaz, he went to that old altar or the new altar he built. And he called out to the gods, whoever they were, wherever they were, and heaven was silent. Ahaz was so spiritually overdrawn, he never called out to God for help, even when God was the only one who could hear or help. Ahaz, apostolics, leave the old altar alone. Would you stand with me? Preach to a very creative, very innovative, very missional generation of preachers, teachers, writers, musicians, missionaries, church planters, evangelists, composers. And I'll admit it, our message is 2,000 years old. And some think it's time for an upgrade. Let's upgrade it to a more attractive message with less miles on it, less repentance in it. Maybe a gospel absent a bloodied Savior on an old rugged cross. And I'll admit, I'll be the first to admit, it's not high tech, but it works. The lovely and I were in jail last spring. Thankfully, we were just there for a service, visiting. But it was Easter week, and I was sharing the story of the gospel with those guys. They're all sitting there in matching blue. I was impressed. Their color coordination was on point. I didn't get the memo. So I'm sitting there and I'm telling the story about how God loved us enough that he came from heaven to earth. He came in human flesh. He came and he laid his life down for us. And then he picked it right back up when he came out of the grave. And while I'm telling the story, the guys who are there sitting on their, on those uncomfortable chairs, many of them were leaning forward, listening hanging on every word and the lovely stopped me long enough she said wait a minute just a second let me ask you this question before he goes any farther how many of you have never heard this story before and half the guys raised their hand I was shocked we're in the buckle of the Bible belt in central Ohio and these guys have not heard the gospel at the end of that service one of those guys big burly guy bigger more burlier than me which is very hard to do because I'm, I'm so fit big burly guy came up and gave me a huge hug tears streaming down his face he could feel the presence of God the love of God and after that service we walk out of the, the jail and one of the guys who were there from a denominational church he looked at us and he said I have to ask you is it always that powerful we said I don't know I mean this is like our second service here but I can tell you this the gospel always works I don't have anything high-tech or anything innovative to share with you, but I will share with you. God came from heaven to earth. He put on flesh. He came in flesh. He laid down his life. He picked it back up. He did it for us. He's coming back, and the gospel worked again. People are going to come along. They're going to plant churches. You're going to minister to people. 
Somebody's going to come along and tell you, hey, let me tell you about this new altar we've been working with. Just remember this message on this Thursday morning and tell them, thank you, but no thank you. I've got an old altar that was built 2,000 years ago with a cross and a tomb. And it worked back then. And it worked for me. And it's going to work for the people I'm trying to disciple. I'm trying to minister to. It worked before. It's going to work again. I want to know where are the students? Where are the young men and the young ladies who have covenanted with God? I'm going to leave that old altar alone. He put it there. I'm going to leave it there. But I'm going to come and repent. And I'm going to get my heart right with God. And when the world needs a message, I'm going to tell them the message of the gospel. I'm going to share with them the message of this old altar. Would you lift your hands and would you covenant with God? If you want to come around this altar area, you can. If you want to kneel at where you're standing, you as an altar there at your seat, you can. But let's build an altar based on that old altar. That altar where we call out to God and say, we need you. We're not going to try to upgrade or improve on what you gave us. We're going to seek after you. We're going to hear from you. We're going to repent and get our hearts right with you. We're going to pray and seek your face before we make a move. We're going to seek after you at that old altar.